Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And this is Scott Galloway. Scott, we are in New England right now together, but not together. Shark bait. Shark bait. We'll get to sharks in a minute. You are on Nantucket, where all the fancy people are. And I am up in Provincetown, where all the interesting artists and people, different people are. And that's essentially our relationship, I think, with the elites. Let's rephrase that. You're lame. I'm cool. My name is Kara Swisher. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yes, I believe that's what I just said. No, yeah. just, I'm with the drag queens. I saw a great drag show last night. But the sharks we're referring to is all over the Cape and Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. There's been sharks everywhere, sighted everywhere, all kinds of stuff on the Internet. Great white sharks are everywhere. And you're scared to go in the water, I understand. Well, I'm not going to say this has had any impact on me, but I refuse to go in the pool. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm literally... <laughs> I am so freaked out. It's just uh, because here's the thing about sharks is they they don't you're not part of their natural food supply. They don't. I know way too much about them. There's unfortunately this great website you can go to to track all these great whites, which is like going to airdisaster.com. And that is after you do it, you wish you had not done it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, But effectively, these guys don't want to eat us. And most of the time you survive a shark attack. Some data, Mm -hmm. Florida has more shark attacks every year than the rest of the world combined. But they just take a small bite, realize you're not their food supply, and they leave. But the idea of a a refrigerator with teeth coming up and taking a bite out of me, I'd rather just die instantly than survive (laughs) that to experience it. Did you see Jaws? We're the same. We saw Jaws. Jaws was a formative movie for us, correct? One of the great films of all time, Roy Scheider and Robert Mm -hmm. Shaw's Cinematic Peak, Probably Richard Dreyfuss is a cinematic piece, And too. Spielberg. It made Spielberg a star, too, as a director. 100% of second movie after Duel with Dennis Weaver. Anyways, <laughs> enough about enough about sharks. I'm scared shitless. Can we segue into WeWork? Because WeWork's yes, mission— Yes, speaking of sharks, speaking of things— Speaking uh, of sharks. Sharks, speaking of sharks. You're obsessed with WeWorks, too. First of all, let's just make it clear. You have been talking about the WeWork business model as being less than— sound for a long time. Why don't you go into that first? And of course, their IPO is coming. So go for it, Scott. Well, first, let's talk about their mission. And their Mm -hmm. mission is to elevate the world's consciousness, which they say that like it's a good thing. I've got an appointment here tomorrow at this thing called the Green Lady Dispensary. And my Mm -hmm. entire, all my disposable income lately is going to try to dampen my consciousness. But they're talking about (laughs) elevating it, whether it's a COPPA or trips to the dispensary. My wife was complaining this morning that I'm not present enough. I'm like, oh, trust me on this. You do not want me present. I need to be less (laughs) conscious. Anyways, 
elevating our consciousness. It's a fucking, yeah. it's, it's real estate. And this is literally, we kind of continues this culture of let's find the words and the positioning of the highest multiple companies in the world. And then let's try and masquerade as one of those companies. So they're calling themselves Spaces Service SaaS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They talk about themselves being a tech company. They, they mention the word technology 123 times in, in their the, prospectus. In, they uh-huh. talk about, you're not a renter, Kara, so you're a member. So mm-hmm. when I stay at uh, you know the Holiday Inn next week, I'm not a guest, I'm a member. Mm-hmm. And they also talk about, um, uh, they're trying to position Adam Newman as the next Jeff Bezos. They mentioned his name 169 times. Yes. Yeah. And if you read the uh, related party transaction section, it's like literally reading a lesson in poor corporate governance. And it's an terrible indictment on the board that they let this shit go down. So, for example, well, explain Adam that. Newman. What have they done? Well, for example, Adam Newman owned the term we. He called his family office and investment holdings, the WE group, and they decided, or WE, they decided that would be a better name for the company. So in his generosity, he sold the term WE, which I didn't know could be trademarked, back to the company for a cool 5.9 million that was supposedly validated by an outside uh, third party. So 700 million in loans, a constant uh, two-step in the in the, the prospectus. And what we have here is a company, uh, it's an interesting company. It should be worth like two or $3 billion, similar to its competitors, but they're trying to position it as something that's worth 45. And what this really is, Kara, this is a test of how, of whether or not the markets finally say enough. I mean, Uber and Lyft got out, they probably shouldn't have, but the markets are starting to sober up and take both those firms to the woodshed. It'll be interesting if the consensual hallucination continues and WeWork can even get out. So what do, you, what do you think this business is worth and what do you think the business is? Away from all there's, you know, uh, renting as a service or whatever it is, as, as, what do you think it is? Well, it did 1.8 billion in revenue for 2018 and granted it's explosive growth up 105% year on year, but it also reported losses of about 1.9 billion. And if you look at other companies that are in the business of renting offices, they get anywhere between 0.5 and three times. So let's look at this and say, it trades at the upper range of this. This is a company, and let's assume that at some point they get some scale and can, at, uh, you know, somewhere along the lines, look at profitability. This is a company that if you're really excited about it, you could justify maybe a five to $10 billion valuation because it is a great brand. They do a great job. But let me start a company where I can lose a hundred, you know, I can I can lose fifty cents on the dollar, and I'll build a great co-working space. I don't think that's, you know, I, I think it's an interesting concept. By the way, like Uber, every mm-hmm. consumer in the world should use WeWork and take Uber to WeWork because your investors or investors are financing what is a, a non-economical value proposition. But I think this company ultimately is worth five to $10 billion. And I think the public markets after some time, should it even get public, will register that value. And the problem is, or one of the issues is these, these companies are supposedly worth, and they use it as a proxy and a benchmark, their most recent private round valuation, which for WeWork was around $47 billion. And what they fail to realize is that in the private markets, the most recent investors usually get a pref, meaning that if they put in a billion dollars and they're the last ones to put it in, even at this sky high valuation, right. the first billion out of the company, they get back. So it's, Right, exactly. So exactly. that number is sort of a fake number, but it serves a, a, a very useful purpose for the people trying to pump and dump it in that it, they can say to the public markets, hey, Joe Lunchbox, you should pay this value for this company, A, because it's cool, there's smart people behind it, it's an interesting, cool concept that your son uses or your daughter uses. 
And smart people have paid this number for it, not realizing that the public market investor, the retail investor, doesn't have that same downside protection. Right, right. So this is another example, and we'll go into the ultimate. It, to me, it, it, I agree. I think this guy taking this much money out was unprecedented. It's such a lack of board oversight in terms of- Incredible. Of, uh, this guy taking, how much did he take out? It's like 700, 700 million. dollars. That, oh it says, that says every single thing to me. I'm sorry, Adam yeah. Newman. You take out 700 yeah. million, you just signaled exactly what you think of this company. You know what I mean? It's it's just, he's it, take, it's happened before several times and it's the same bullshit essentially. In addition, one of the keys when you're, uh, ideally when you're looking at it, when you're staring down the barrel of a recession, you want yeah, a company. Yeah. You want a company where you can variableize the cost, meaning that okay, if the, if our revenues go down, we can variableize our cost structure down and survive. And if you think of WeWork, it's almost like an investment vehicle that buys real estate and then tries to arbit out short term at a higher number, which is no different than Hertz or really mm-hmm. what a, a real estate landlord does. They buy a company long term and then they and they sell it short term. That's that's not a different business model. But where these companies go out of business is what this guy, Jim Kohlberg, I used to work with, gave me this great term. The reason they go out of business is mismatched durations. And that is they borrow money short and they invest long. In other words, their customers need to give them 24 hours notice sometimes. Sometimes they have leases as long as eight months, but their revenues are, are, can, can leave fast. Whereas their expenses, they're signing 10-year leases. So you head, you head into a recession and you have a 20 or 30% laid yeah. down in members but you're still stuck with the long-term leases. Yep, exactly. This is a company that is especially vulnerable during the the downturn. Which this inverted Y curve yield curve is is like freaking people out. It sounds like a recession. This is the you can't just to me, you can't just slap nice wallpaper and kombucha, you know, fresh kombucha on it and think that that's gonna survive the recession. It just is just not true. It's just that's where it gets me is the this recession that is clearly headed this way that most people, most smart people think um, caused by a lot of things. We'll get to that in a second. But I agree. I think you, what would you do? Short this company or would you, what, what, I don't buy and sell stocks like this. So I, I, do. I don't typically either. And also I don't ever short companies. One, because I think it's bad karma. The natural trajectory of the markets is, are up. You have to be a professional to short companies. You got to spend all day watching the stock. I think shorting really is for the pros, but if you look at this company, I mean, let's look at some comparables. Hertz, which is effectively the same business model mm-hmm. for cars, except there's not a you know a tap of IPA in the passenger seat. Which, by the way, I think is a really good idea. Anyways, <laughs> they trade that? they trade at 0.2x times revenues. Amazon, who clearly we work, if you believe their prospectus, is trying to be mm-hmm. the next Amazon, saying that they're a tech company for some reason. Amazon trades at four times revenues. And based on the most recent valuation of WeWork, this basically this real estate company trades at 26 times yeah, revenues. It's, 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 a, so, it's a big flashing so- accident sign, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that sounds right. Have you, do, yeah. have you talked to anybody, investors or people at the I, company? They, keep, they kept offering me him for interviews. And I just was like, I just think this is just bullshit. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I didn't feel like beating him up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I just didn't. And, and there's this whole like, hey, I'm wearing a T-shirt and my hair is flowing and hey, it's all cool. I just am like, you you rent office space, right? Yeah. Like, I, it's not a tech company. It's it's sort of like Theranos in that way. It's like, you're not a tech company. I'm pretty, and she, then that was more a tech company and it's fake, it, that whatever that Edison machine was. It's not a tech company. It's not a tech, it's just not. And so I don't know why I would speak to him. That's how Ooh. I feel. Ooh, Kara, 
You used the T word, Theranos. <laughs> I, don't that, think, I just watched wow, that. Wow, that was I, low. I just Theranos. watched that documentary, which was fascinating. What a yeah, good idea fantastic. that was, at least. What a good idea that was. This one is just renting office space. Like, that, that's, that's where it comes down to. And it's a very lovely office, but, you know, whatever. And anyway, speaking of which, real companies that are getting hurt by economics is yeah. this trade wars with China affecting tech yeah. companies. Obviously, Trump, who is doubling down on these tariffs, now pulled them back a little bit for Christmas, I think largely for political reasons, so that the economy doesn't get, you know, bashed a lot. But a lot of these electronic firms are seeing a sharp slowdown in revenue growth for the quarter because of yeah. uh, of because of this, including the ones in China too. Everybody, everybody on both sides of the of the ocean are seeing the troubles. Any yeah. impact, do you think? Well, I, unfortunately, I think we've lost this one. And that is, uh, I believe that the, I actually think the president got it right, that the the, the agreement or it, the approach of the Chinese, kind of this mercantile trading mm-hmm. gestalt is bad for, you know, asymmetrically advantages them. But we should have gone into this discussion with the full heft of our allies and had a more thoughtful conversation. And here's the problem. You know, World War II, the Americans lost a quarter of a million people, Germans lost 550,000, and the Russians lost 20 million people. And they would have lost another 20 million because the core confidence of Russians is the ability to, you know, to basically suffer. And the Mm -hmm. Chinese will close towns down. They will Mm -hmm. say, oh, sorry, you need to be relocated because we're no longer making this widget because of this trade war with our enemy, the U.S. And we have a soybean farmer in Wisconsin that is all of a sudden struggling, and MSNBC is out there talking about a bailout. So we just don't have the same tolerance to endure this sort of suffering, despite the fact that on a kind of peri-passu level— we're in better shape or can hurt them more than hurt us. But mm-hmm. we're going to hangnail and we're going to freak out. The U.S. Yep. is just so incredibly, um, you know, our, our soldiers needed chocolate, Playboy magazines, and cigarettes. The Chinese in World War II needed a handful of rice to go a week. Yeah, that's and, interesting. I saw this movie, The Farewell, here, which was not about that. It's with Aquafina, But they actually talked about those issues, the the difference. And it was, and I was thinking, this sounds like the trade wars. Like, they can, they can wait us out. They can wait us out. 100%. That's, Wait us out. They, All right, they so, think in ten-year, they think in ten and twenty-year increments. Right. We think in election cycle increments. Yeah, but the companies that will affect in tech are obviously Apple, um, probably Apple yeah. the most significantly, and we'll see how that goes. Um, speaking of uh, tech companies, uh, I wrote this week in the New York Times about Tumblr and wow. how it was sold to the company behind WordPress, Matt Mullenweg. Yep. It's called Automatic uh, for a fraction of what it was sold for. Marissa Mayer bought it for $1.1 billion in 2013, yep. a story that I actually broke. Um, and now I think it's maybe $3 million to $10 million. They don't really quite know the price, but it's hardly anything, even though it's relatively still a big site compared to a lot of other social media platforms. Uh, you know, Tumblr was the, I wrote about how it was the thing, and it was when it was, when things were, Sort of, they were the most creative of all these companies, these social media companies, and sort of they fell on hard times because of a range of things, both external and internal, um, and including you know pornography, the pornography on the site, uh, all kinds of different issues. So, what do you think about that sale? The number. You have a different take on this. Yeah, I, I mean, first off, ninety-nine point seven percent decline, destruction in value. That's just unprecedented. Yeah, uh, I think Tumblr was always a porn site, and I think that because venture capitalists and nice people from Silicon Valley saw an opportunity to make money. They tried to recast it at something else, somewhere between 23 and 28% of yeah, the content, even from, yes. even from the early days, was adult content. And then when they decided to turn off the porn after all these people had sold their shares, uh, they lost a third of their, their traffic overnight. So when you're a platform whose primary domain 
is adult content, you're a porn site. And my my question would be the following, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Union Square Ventures and the general limited partners there who invested $400,000 and got $240 million back, have there ever been any individuals in the history of business that have made more money from pornography than these individuals? <laughs> Hi, Fred Wilson. Oh, you mean so, oh, you mean King of Porn? King of Porn, <laughs> Fred Wilson. Okay, and I'll get an email on that one. All right, yeah. you're, you know, it's an interesting thing. I don't agree with that it was all fully porn when it was started. I think it was really. You're right. It was gay porn. I'm no, sorry. No, but you it know, there's porn. a difference between safe havens to express sexuality and porn. I mean, I think it started off well, as safe havens it is. to express there's sexuality. Some porn. of it isn't porn. It was. It isn't for Scott Galloway's enjoyment. It was a way for people <laughs> to express themselves. You know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. and then it got to that. You had absolutely did. And then obviously when they got corporate owners, that couldn't happen, couldn't stay. And they tried all kinds of oh, ways to that, hide oh, the come porn. On. It and couldn't then, happen? It could happen as long as they own shares. <laughs> yes, but I'm saying when the companies that when it finally sold to Yahoo for that in incredible amount of money, which I thought was incredible at the time because they weren't making that much money in their advertising, they had a problem with advertising. I remember them talking, we don't like advertising. I was like, well, what are you going to do? Well, porn, I guess, sell porn. Yeah. They started to crack down. They first started by trying to ban things or move things or put a safe default on it, safe watching default. But then when Verizon got it, it was like, no. Um, and then their their mobile app, you know, child porn got into, you know, Apple wouldn't tolerate that. And so I think it's, you know, it's series of owners because it went from Yahoo and Yahoo got bought by AOL. AOL became Oath. AOL got bought by Verizon. You know, it just went one after, you know, it just was one corporate owner after the next um, that really just, it was the wrong place. Where it is now is a really interesting place. It, it, Matt Mullenweg is one of the sort of the, the original it, type of people who should have owned a site like this, who do, did understand all these problems. So I think it'll be interesting what he does. And it was sort of a solid for Verizon to sell it to him versus Pornhub was interested in it, as you talk about uh, buying it. It was kind of a solid that they didn't go for the most money here because it was like a de minimis amount of money. But the one thing I would love your commentary on is like Marissa Mayer, $1.1 billion is what she paid for it. Could okay, be so, look, I, I, possibly I, I, the worst deal in history. Yeah. I'm patting myself on the back and we'll hopefully have find the tape and roll tape here. Another loser, Tumblr. We believe that Instagram is the best acquisition of the last five years and Tumblr is the worst. Both cost about a billion dollars, both have the same user base. Instagram will be due between 250 million and 450 million this year. Tumblr was noticeably absent from Yahoo's earnings call, which means that likely the revenue is somewhat negligible. But five years ago, five mm -hmm. years ago, I said uh, in a very public conference that Instagram and Tumblr were the best and worst acquisitions in the last decade in tech. And I said that at PNG Signals conference before Marissa Mayer took the stage. So I had to sit behind stage after <laughs> saying that this was the worst acquisition in technology. And if you want to talk about pump and dump, the backstory on Tumblr is really interesting because you had Dan Loeb, who I know you're friends with, come in and He's take not a huge my friend. Oh my God. All right, okay. Whatever. You're acquainted. I know him. Right, yes, you okay. know him. Anyways. He basically took a large stake in Yahoo, agitated to get seats on the board, and then fired a guy named Scott Thompson for saying that he had a minor in computer science from his mm -hmm. university on his resume. Whereas Shell Sandberg and Mark Zuckerberg weaponize our election to dict our team, Scott Thompson gets fired for exaggerating his resume. That makes sense. Anyways, he, he more, gets, I, I, I broke a lot of those stories. He more than, he more he, than Okay, so he gets fired and then Dan Lowe comes in. He a liar about that stuff. Go ahead. Dan Lowe comes in and hypes Marissa Mayer, who is this very compelling figure, yes. and brings her mm -hmm. in. 
clearly in the first two board meetings, realizes she has no idea what the fuck she's doing and sells all the shares once the stock is up. And then Marissa Mayer goes on to do some of, you know, some of the lowlights of her tenure, hires someone to head sales from her old company, Google, Enrique. who she fires within 14 months and gives $120 million severance yeah. payment to. She didn't almost, do reference checks. Almost queers the tax structure of the asset worth 90, that comprised 96% of the value of the company. That was their stake in Alibaba. Took revenues down 20%, EBITDA down 50%. Oh, and by the way, walked out the door with a quarter of a billion dollars. I mean, there are few people who have done more damage while making more money than Mark Zuckerberg or Sheryl Sandberg, but there's very few people who have made more money while destroying more shareholder value than Marissa Mayer. That was, the, and, I, and what did she have sweetie, to do? You know what my coverage was like. You know how I wrote about that that particular tenure. Not No, time. you were, and you were out in front of this when everyone had decided that, you know, no one wanted to say anything bad about Marissa Mayer, but she had to fill this void of hype and inflationary expectations. And the way she filled it was with the pumpers and dumpers of the modern era, Union Square Ventures. By the way, if you want to see what bullshit private companies are being hyped right now, just go to mm -hmm. a bc.com and see what blockchain or crypto bullshit is totally overvalued <laughs> and can be foisted on some unwitting corporate executive. Anyway, so they foisted... <laughs> okay. They foisted um, Tumblr into the void of inflated expectations, $1.1 billion. Billions. And it was, That's their job, I wasn't right? even, I wasn't Are you, even, you blaming them? Are you blaming them? They got, they got. Good for them. They got, They're smart. Yeah. They're smart. But let's be clear. Um, this is, this company, the core competence of these individuals is they are masters, pumpers and dumpers. And I, I, when I said this was the worst acquisition in the last 10 years, five so years ago. So how was it backstage? How was it I backstage? Wasn't, it was very awkward and uncomfortable because she seemed like a nice woman. Anyways, I wasn't prescient. I just could do math. They had absolutely no advertising. A no. third of their content was porn. And they paid $1.1 billion for it. Yeah. I mean, it was just... Anyways, this was this was really just massive inflated expectations, pump and dump everywhere. And you say, okay, it's interesting what's happened here. The fucking bike rental shop down the road in Nantucket is worth more than Tumblr right now. <laughs> and it's, it's page well, The views. joke was that a Silicon Valley house, a middling Silicon Valley house was worth more than Tumblr is. There, it's still, now aside from all your thing, it still has, it's quite large. It's still quite large. There's not that many big sites and some of it is good. And so there'll be interesting to see what Matt Mullenweg does with this. There's no downside to him for this. Um, WordPress used to be a competitor in a lot of ways yeah. of Tumblr. And so it's interesting to see what he'll do with it and see if he can salvage the really very creative, there was enormous creativity on Tumblr in the beginning. I, I understand the porn part. I, I do, it did degenerate into that. It was 21% actually uh, of, of it. It never degenerated site. though. That's what I'm saying. It was always a porn site until no, a bunch no. of Knights VCs and Silicon Valley people while they were holding shares, tried to recast it as something else. No, it was always it a porn site. I was on site. it early. You were not using it early. I'm telling you. Oh, was I was using it almost every day, Kara. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'm going to know. Trust I, I was using it one. to post pictures of graffiti. You were doing something else. And I'm just saying, there, <laughs> two things can be not mutually exclusive. Don't criticize my hobbies. Don't criticize my hobbies. where it is now is the right place for it. And I'm hoping that Matt, who is a very has been a very quiet, successful entrepreneur, will do something with it. He's not, he doesn't toot his own horn. He's made a very successful, you know, blogging platform. 
very quietly could have sold it a million times. I think it'll be interesting to see if he can get to the heart of what was good about it and remove the parts that you like and perhaps sell it to you so you can run such a site. Anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Lastly, before we get to our break, um, you know, there was a story in the New York Times this week, supposedly, uh, which James Stewart wrote from a meeting. Apparently, uh, Jeffrey Epstein was going around to tech reporters, but not this one, um, and meeting them talking, or people that are interested in tech, uh, about how he was advisors to a lot of tech people, and specifically in this column, it alleged, Epstein alleged that he was helping Elon Musk compile a list for new chairman candidates to oversee the Tesla board. And at the same time, Epstein alleged that, you know, most tech, a lot of tech moguls are very hedonistic and wild, and he knew all the stories, but of course never said anything. I thought it was a tiny bit irresponsible to let this dead guy, it was an off-the-record meeting, but he's dead, so I'm, I'm, fine with them running it. It's just that there was no backup on like whether any of this was true and letting this this lying dead guy pedophile have his last words seemed to be problematic as far as I was concerned. So we'll see if there really were links between tech people and Epstein when these federal investigations get going and if they were problematic or if they were just gross. But it was an interesting question. He seemed to have his, you know, anywhere powerful people were, this guy shows up like Zelig, which is kind of disturbing. Yeah, but there's a there's a sub-economy in a boutique industry now and just shaming people. And it's gotten to the point where, oh, you you were at the same party with Jeffrey Epstein? That means you're guilty yeah. of something. It's like, okay, yeah. enough already. If Jeffrey- Yeah, this it, went a little I, further. This was a little further. You know, there was a story in the Daily Mail that Bill Gates took a plane ride with them. They, they, so listen, what? This, so I understand what? that. I understand that. I'm just saying that what I'd like to see is if the federal investigators actually find out anything that is actually legal. And that's my, I agree with you. I, I think we're on the same page on this. It's like, could be, but him just investing, is that, how would the, you know, it's gross. It gross is, if you knew about his- if you had done this after he was convicted, it's just gross to to have done that. At the same yeah. time, you're right. Just adjacency does not. It's a problematic adjacency unless you have proof of of something more more sinister. It reminds but, me of when Bill Clinton was accused of being a Manchurian type figure because in college he'd done an internship in Russia, and James Carville, you know, adroitly responded, "For God's sakes, we were playing him in basketball." I mean, it just at what point does, like you said, adjacent adjacent associations just become that adjacent associations and nothing more? That said, I think people are very upset by this sort of very clear power structure that 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 sits on the top of society, some of whose members are super abusive, like Epstein, right? So I think there is this, you're going to hear more about this, I think, this idea of this power structure that, you know, uh, sort of back, back rubbing, kind of back slapping group. It's the same thing as the, you know, the cigar sold smoke rooms that everyone knows about is that these, there's these elite centers of power that other people don't get into. Um, and I think you're going to, you know, like all of but a sudden. That, there's a word there's, for that, society. Well, that happens yeah, in I know, every society. I know, but I'm just saying, I think you're going to see a lot of it. I think people, this Repstein thing shows the very ugliest side of that. Um, but, and I think it, it'll be interesting to see if federal investigators really do come up with some oh, more yeah, significant agreed. things. We'll see. hundred percent. We'll see, but you know, the shaming culture continues. Don't complain about the shaming culture. You're sitting on top I'm of I'm scared of the sharks. It's <laughs> manifesting and me giving you a hard time. I'm scared of the refrigerators right. with fins. We're coming for you, Scott. We're going to bite oh you God. and then just leave you alive. That's I the plan. I need to dampen my consciousness, elevate my consciousness, fucking <laughs> we work, as if that's what I need. Anyway, Jeez, like, where's anyway the it's time to take a break. When we get Is back, we're going to talk yet? about wins and noon fails. Yet? No. I'm ready to drink. Soon. You can drink soon. We'll talk soon about wins and fails and our predictions for the next week. We'll be back after this. 
Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back with Scott Galloway. He was on Nantucket where all the elite people are gathering secretly to make deals that the rest of us are not party to. I am here in the more yeah. democratic province uh-huh. town. Um, Scott, yeah. wins and fails. You got a big win this week, this week. Come on. You can say it. You can yell it. Yeah, you know who I'm just just blown away by is— What, uh, who? I, do you know this guy, Raj Chetty? He's an economist at Harvard. And I he am was aware the, of one him. of the youngest— He's, he's like basically a shoe-in for the Nobel Prize at one point, and he gets government data, and he looks at income inequality and income mobility. And as, you know, occasionally you just see an, a, an academic, and he's, his whole tagline is big data as a force of moral good. And I mm-hmm. just love this guy. And he's looking at basically income mobility and income inequality, and I, I, I've learned so much just reading his data. So, for example, I've always thought— that affirmative action should be economically based and not race-based. And what he's found is that, for example, a person of color born into wealth is twice as likely to end up in poverty than a white person born into wealth, which I just thought was fascinating. He's also done this incredible Mm -hmm. research around where you live has a huge component of income mobility. So, for example, a poor person born in the bottom quintile in Salt Lake has an 11% chance of getting to the upper quintile, where someone born in Charlotte has half that. And his whole attitude is if we can find data and connect them to an issue, we can manage the data, we can adapt it, and we can manipulate it. And I think this guy has just taken an incredible brain, incredible discipline, an incredible immigrant story, and is changing the world for the better. And it just brings out the best in what we're supposed to do in mm-hmm. academia, and that is pursue the truth for the betterment of, of the commons. I, so anyways, my my win is Professor uh, Raj Chetty, future Nobel Prize winner, who is taking very boring data and turning it into very important seminal work. Fantastic. That's so brainy. I thought you were going to scream, Rundles are back, baby. With, with <laughs> oh, Nike? Nike we didn't talk about that. Yes. Come well, on. By the take way. the win. Take oh, the Scott Galloway win. Only one word to describe that. Gangster. Nike the swoosh. Coming okay, in. Explain what Rundles are for the people who do not follow us. 
Okay, closely so this, this is a little bit. Move. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know if I'm conflicted, so I'll disclose it because it makes me look good. But I, I've done some work with Nike, and I've been talking to them a lot about recurring revenue bundles or rundles. But basically, Nike has decided to go after effectively a subscription product with kids who have this terrible habit of growing. Mm-hmm. Kids age two to five, their feet. Oh, grow I one know. In, they grow yeah. one and a half millimeters a month. They need six pairs of shoes. Then they need about four pairs from five to seven, and then it goes down to like two pairs. But they're essentially offering a subscription service where you can pick any of these shoes and not have to worry about costs. And they have some even some predictive technology to try. Are and they the out. good shoes though? Are they the shoes that? Well, the they kids do want? offer the good shoes, and here's the thing: it only makes economic sense because on average they're charging about fifty or sixty bucks a shoe, and you can get them for about the same price on Zappos. It only makes sense if you go for the higher price shoes and you get the shoes more often than your kids' feet are growing. But what they but what that doesn't take into account is, A, it's fun to be a part of a community, and B, it's more convenient than trying to figure out the constant price trade-off and figure out when are my kids buying shoes to just have them order. But you can see this as a trend where great brands like Nike begin to attack individual cohorts with a subscription offering that takes the friction out of the process and just says, all right, you don't have to constantly measure off price versus quality. Just get your damn shoes because you're entitled to them. But this is, I think this is a fantastic move and, a, and basically an indicator of where our consumer economy is heading. So thanks for bringing What's it up. What's the next rundle that you're not involved with planning? What's the next rundle? Or maybe the one you're involved with planning? Well, I'm uh, so loosely speaking, and I won't mention the brand, but I think that um, uh, travel. So unfortunately, the top 1% are garnering all the incremental income, but I think travel involves a lot of decisions and a lot of uncertainty. And one of the biggest mistakes that brands in the economy or uh, consumer brands and consumer executives make is that, as Professor Sheena Angar says at Columbia University, who's a total gangster, that consumers don't want more choice. They just want, they want fewer choices, but they want to be more confident in the few choices they're presented with. And I think something around travel where a fantastic, iconic brand comes in and says, we're going to handle everything. Pay us one fee, and we're literally going to take your hospitality, your travel, your your airplanes, your hotels off the table, and we're going to tell you where to go. You're going to pay one fee. So, for example, at Four Seasons just gave you an app, and anytime you land it, it says, you either pay four or six hundred dollars a night, depending upon the city, and they, we send you a QR code, and you're just done. And you pay ten thousand dollars a year or something like that. I think there's huge opportunity to in do what? What do they give you? Because people are plagued by choices. At the same time, you're also like, was this one better? Did I miss this? this right. You know. But I think there's a lot of people that would just love to land somewhere and have the confidence of knowing, okay, this is my brand. They're putting me at the right hotel. I don't have to do the trade-off of cost versus everything. They just know what I want. I pay an annual fee. Maybe they give it to me at cost or they give me the best hotel room in the hotel and I pay an annual fee and I'm just well, all Well, rich people have done this. There were all those, I think every rich person I know belonged to some vacation properties. I can't remember what it is. They were all in it and they got to in- stay at the nicest. Inspirato. Yeah, whatever that. Yeah. yeah. So is it, this just for everybody else? No, I don't think so. I, I think this is going to be a bigger grand bargain where somebody's going to be the lead dog here and roll up or coordinate a bunch of other brands and just say, okay, you trust. I mean, to a certain extent, Amazon has done this in e-commerce. You just trust mm-hmm. Amazon. You just default is there. Now, if Amazon were to go into predictive modeling and just start sending you stuff uh, proactively or speculatively, that's what I think we're talking about. But I think there's going to be mm-hmm. a series of brands across our major consumer categories, travel, health, apparel, and it's just going to be one brand that says, we know you better than you know you, and we're just going to start proactively sending you stuff so you don't have to make choice, or we're going to tell you, you tell us you want to go to Africa, we'll tell you where to stay, how to get there, 
and we'll charge you wholesale, and every year we'll just charge you one big fee, and we'll get to know each other. It's what it's the difference between what I would call serial dating and monogamy. The most the marketplace wants monogamy. It's a mm-hmm. better way to run a business. So I think you're going to see a series of monogamous recurring revenue bundle relationships emerge over the course of the next Scott, year. Scott, you're so deep this week. It's, you're deep. You're not as shallow. And I haven't even been to the dispensary yet. Talk to me in a few <laughs> hours. All right. What's your fail? What's your fail then? Uh, my fail is just this pump and dump culture that yeah. that I, I just wonder when it's going to end. I wonder if we were never, never the, said the person who's the most human race until the human race is blown off this earth. But go ahead, go ahead. But as but as we work the next tumbler, at some point, does the the manufacturing of hype and the nomenclature or the fraudulent nomenclature and just using the word tech 127 times in prospectus. And then claiming that someone paid a valuation of $47 billion and then foisting it on the unwedding retail investor, at some point does the pump and dump culture, does somebody call bullshit on it? And so my fail is the pump and you know, we'll see. But t- Tumblr's is such a cautionary tale. And WeWork could potentially be, I think, the next Tumblr if it manages to get out. I think you're going to see an extraordinary destruction of value if the bankers are actually able to foist this thing on and the And do you think they're going to foist it? What are the chances right now? You know, Kara, I don't know because no, I we'll thought, see. I didn't think, I thought Uber and Lyft, there was a chance they might not get out. And granted, they're, they're slowly but surely, the air is being let out of that balloon. Those companies are off, I think, 20 or 30%. Mm-hmm. But look at, you know, the bankers got their money, the founders got their money, the investors yep. got their money, and it's the guy, the gal holding shares in an yep. ETF. Especially heading class. into a recession. Yes, yeah, indeed. It's You're just, right. Uh, it's, it's a real, LA. we are cautioning you people, just the way there are shark cautionings on the beach where we are. We are there, ca- there are sharks out there. You're going to get bit and you're going to lie on the shore in pain and not dead. Well, that's a Thank nice you. image. Jesus Thank Christ, you. what are you doing to me? That's like the <laughs> last. And you know what the worst thing is? My kids what? are running around the house in their wetsuits. Basically, they might as well be flapping, <laughs> flapping their fins and asking for a for a, a, a you know asking for a fish. I saw seals this week. I went fishing with my kids. We caught quite a oh. few fish, and then my son cooked them all. And the, and we gave the carcasses to the seals as we were filleting them on the dock. Stay That's away from good. seals. Food chain. Food chain. Just, for the they don't. Light. The seals. The fishermen hate the seals here because they take all the fish. I like the seals because. What are your wins and fails? I have one that's a win and a fail, and it's Anthony yeah. Scaramucci's fight with the president. Oh, my gosh. Think, go on. Go on. <laughs> I haven't talked to him yet. I'm going <laughs> to text more. him. I didn't have enough energy to text him this week. Um, but I think uh, it's interesting that he's now suddenly, you know, and, and this the concept, and I, he and I have argued about this, is this a la carte liking and disliking of the president. It's the same thing with Stephen, uh, the, the Hudson Yards do, Ross, right? Like, he has an a la carte method of liking someone. Like, I don't agree with his racism, but I like his tax breaks. I'm like, it's not an a la carte. They can't pick and choose between this guy. Like, it all goes together. You have to take the sender backs. You've got to take the racist tweets. you got to take what's obviously, you know, a declining mental situation, which I think Scaramucci quite specifically referred to in which George Conway, also people, you know, close to those groups are referring to like a continuing decline in mental facility. I mean, it's, it's, they're not even being, you know, sort of, oh, he's a little bit off. It's like, he crazy, you know? So I think in that way, I kind of welcome the message and at this, and in a fail thing, it's like, you were never our friends before. Like now you're worried and now, you know, so you sort of say, ah, brave of you. And ah, what took you so long? So that's, I think that I'm sort of of the double minds. And so I do want to have a discussion with him about it because like what they tend to try to do is get you to dis 
the, the people who oppose them when, when these people sort of break out and start actually telling the truth is that they try to undercut them by saying things like, oh, well, you know, he wants a, a contract. He wants he wants to be on scene and he wants to be liked by the libtards, whatever. I don't care if he's telling the truth, who cares if he wants to benefit from it? And what is the real benefit? Is there a real benefit? And so I'm fascinated by if there's going to be, he was saying that the cabinet members think this, that he's crazy and this and that. And so I'm wondering, will there be a moment when everyone goes, okay, like we cannot do it anymore, but I don't think there is a bottom for the Republican party with this situation. They seem to, de- and now they're comfortable defending the indefensible. And so I, it was fascinating. I thought it was a win and a lose. I don't, I don't know quite how I feel about it. So that's where, that's my win and lose. That's a great one. And you brought up the kind of the irony or the, I don't know, the, the, the inconsistency of when Cloudflare all of a sudden decided they'd had enough with HN yeah. and you're like, well, yeah. look, we've been having this conversation for a while and all of a sudden you found religion, which was a fair point. But the mooch, there's a term to describe the mooch, and that is totally full of shit. And that is when a white supremacist ran over a woman, you know, he was okay with that. He was talking about tax cuts. But all of a sudden, he's fed up with President Trump. You know what the mooch has no tolerance for? Being out of the media cycle. That is the only thing he gives a shit about. And all of a sudden, he's popped up and decided he's had enough of the president Well, show me anything the president has done recently that is any different than what he was doing while you were carrying his water. And the notion that all of a sudden he's he's found religion, no, he hasn't. He just wasn't on MSNBC enough. And when well, in we'll three see. months, we'll see where it goes. But people can also tell the truth at the same time they may be in it for themselves. That's what that's my problem with all this. It's like. That's the, that's the issue. I think Catherine Rampell from the Washington Post had a very good thing is that mm-hmm. he, I think it all stemmed from a, an appearance on Bill Maher where he was on Bill Maher. He was defending the president actually quite mm-hmm. handily and saying, I have some disagreement. And, and he voiced his concerns about the racist tweets, but they were, cons- I'm concerned, you know, about these racist tweets. I don't like them. And what happened was Trump then reacted saying, you, you, you traitor, like as he always does. And then, and then that's where he then, then by Sunday, he was like, fuck you. Like, you know, don't you, don't you, you know what I mean? It was like, it's like an episode of Goodfellas, but which I feel like it is like we're living in Goodfellas almost continually. And he's the, I guess the Joe Pesci character, but it's a really, I I find it fascinating. Like, but, and at the same time, I'm like, well, I kind of want these people to say this because they know like, like, so, so on, on some level, at least he's saying it and the others aren't. So What does he know? He was there 11 days. I got it. You know, they're all part of the same gangs. They're all they're they're in the same game. It's just so I, you know I, I I welcome the truth and at the same time I'm like what took you so long I, exactly and I think I've had this discussion with him a million times on this yeah. issue and so it's a fascinating I, I think I'll bring him back on the podcast just and maybe I'll have you join maybe I'll have you join that no. one. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, but no. the thing is, what, what if someone is actually telling the truth? That do you just discount it? See, that's that's how the Trump group works. That's how they fud these people. So you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm confused. And, and and I don't know what to do about thinking this is what should be said. At the same time, do we like the people saying it? Sometimes we aren't. We don't get the people we want to tell the truth. So I think what we all need to do is to elevate our consciousness and pay seven hundred dollars <laughs> a day for a desk and IPA tap here. <laughs> That's what we uh, need a, to do. We were we worked for fourteen point two seconds. Recode was for it was fine. They do a great job, fine. by the way. We worked as a it fantastic. Was fine. Job. It was an inexpensive. It was like slightly better than a Kia desk, and I was irritated. Really, by, I think they're great. I do like what they do. Actually, a number of things there. I didn't. I did not spend much time there. It's a great concept anyway, worth two or three billion dollars. Any predictions? What about, I need oh, a prediction. We've got to get to the beach. I got to get to the beach. Predictions. Okay, so I'm going to choose my words carefully here because this is such a hot topic, but 
Um, uh oh. Uh oh. I think the yeah right. By the way, if I'm not risking my career every 48 hours, I'm not doing my job. Um, <laughs> okay. Look, I think the the story of the year and maybe even the story of the next several years is going to be Epstein's apparent suicide. And if, apparent, if yeah. you have mm-hmm. ever, ever been in a situation where it feels like there's a not a shoe, but a 10-ton truck about to drop, and it's not even, I'm not even curious around this. I'm kind of scared because the notion that an individual who was about to spend the rest of his life in prison and the only way he wasn't gonna spend the rest of his life in prison was to drop a dime on some of the world's most powerful people somehow ends up hanging himself in an eight by 12 cell after he's on suicide watch. Yeah, I mean, I know. it's like an episode makes, of Homeland or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I want to engage- In fact, it the, was an episode of Homeland, but go ahead. I want to engage the same thoughtful investigators that President Trump engaged to investigate Ted Cruz's father's uh, role in the assassination of JFK or the fact that he alleged that President Obama was born in Kenya. I want to get those same crack investigators on this because if you were to basically look at all the conspiracy theories the White House has laid out over the last four years and then talk about the fact that you had this guy who, now that he's dead, the most powerful people in the world are all sleeping better. And how, how, if I tried to hang myself on Fifth Avenue with the cameras, somebody would stop me, yet they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out a way to not let this guy hang himself in an eight by 12 cell. And there's all this stuff where the guard wasn't around. And there was, mm-hmm. a, there was either just such incredibly gross negligence or malfeasance here that it makes me yeah. sad because some of the most talented people I know and some of my closest friends come to the United States not only for our freedoms, not only for economic opportunities, but because of the rule of law and that our government agencies are not only seen as competent, but they're seen as yeah. trying to do the right thing. And Kara, yeah. this shit just stinks. I know. It, it does. It does. It makes me feel like stinks. a conspiracy theorist. I'm like, this is insane. Like, this can't be incompetence. This is like so planned. Like, the problem is which one of them killed them? Because there's so many. There's so many, on so many sides. It's like maybe if someone was like, it's like... um you know, the, the Agatha Christie mover, Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, where they all did it. Where they all <laughs> yeah. did it. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's what, it's like all of them. Like, over here, the Clintons. Over here, the Trumps. The yeah. Trumps, the Clintons. The, the Elon Musk is wandering somewhere around, you know. It's like, literally, it, it feels like there's so many. And, you know, who knows with the Russians. It does feel like we live in Russia right now. It feels like, oh, they just fell, they just got a cold and died. Like, what? Like, what? You know, like the, they, they took an umbrella and poked him or something. Like, I don't so, know. You're right. I feel like so crazy much conspiracy theorist. And the president's criminal defense attorney immediately comes out and says he's outraged, like thou protested too much. And then the president yeah. tries to create a diversionary tactic accusing the Clintons of this. It's just- I know. The it's whole just, thing is That's what I'm talking out. about. This group of people on the top who are running everything. I'm just telling you. Yeah. So I look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even sort of curious here. I'm just really disappointed that we're now that nation. That yeah. can't seem. We probably that, were always that nation. In case you're interested, there was always. Listen, I'm near the top, and I'm scared of the people at the top. That's. I'm just saying they just they they have a thing going on up there, where they do bad things. Well, so. that's the thing. You got to downgrade to the little dog park with the big dog. <laughs> we don't have to worry about that shit. We just chase oh, our please. balls and smell you're, other dogs. Butts. Again, you are on Nantucket. I am up on Provincetown. That's all we do. I feel like you downgrade to the little dog park. I have nothing to worry about. I'm economically One big secure. Wave I have and people half who love the elite me. Would be That's gone it. right where you are. One big giant wave, and it would be over for most of elite. That is an elite island there. I've been there. 
I have children who love me. They don't let you paint colors me. on your houses there because it doesn't fit. Anyway, whatever. I have kids who love me. I have Netflix, a dispensary. I'm just going to enjoy myself <laughs> to right, the ass, you do that. until All the right. ass cancer shows up, Kara. We're going to go. The good news is we're going to be seeing a whole lot of each other next week. We have a live pivot oh, so explained for the people. Explain oh my gosh, we're, we're uh, hosting a live pivot show in New York. And we're going to do live predictions or we're going to assess people's predictions. And it just, I'm just so, A, I'm just totally shocked that people want to show up and see us live. But Or that we're live podcasting is a thing. I just still can't figure out that that is a thing. It seems like it's sort of an oxymoron, no, but anyway. we're a thing. I have been stopped on the street a dozen times here in Provincetown by people. Yeah, I Scott? know. Yeah, that's it. Where is, I had, where is you know, the You know Sean dog? Hayes from um, Will and Grace? He's a friend of mine. Like, that he guy? Three of his, yeah, we were hanging out. Jack? Yeah, Jack is a friend of mine. So, oh <laughs> my God. That is so awesome. Does Jack ask about me? Does Never. he ask about no, me? He doesn't, but he brought over like half a dozen other gay guys who loved Pivot. Like, I'm just, nice. I'm just like, oh, hi. He's like, this person's a huge fan. They like Recode Decode too, but they're like, they love the whole shtick. They love, anyway. Jack loves Jack. us. I'll we introduce you to Jack. I will. Thank He's you. a lovely You guy. know, another empty promise. There's another rabbit I, I coat just, He lives in LA when you're I'm in LA. getting you a rabbit coat, sweetheart. Yeah. We're going to yeah. send Anyways. you a, we're going to send you a, a, a video, okay? Jack. That's what we'll do. Then you'll feel right, better thanks. and say, hi, Scott. Anyway, we'll be in New York next week. It will also be on Pivot. It'll be two pivots. Bonus episode galore next week. We're going to have a regular pivot and this pivot. It's going to be great. And I can't wait to see you, Scott. What, what are you wearing? You know what I was thinking we should do? I think we should what? go, or at least what I'm going to do. I want to go as Megan Rapino. Okay. I'm serious. We should dress up as... I don't even as, know what the, Don't you okay. think? You need hair for that, but okay. Well, I'll, wear right. you, I'll wear a wig. I'll wear a wig. Okay. You do whatever okay. you want. You, I was thinking jumpsuits, matching jumpsuits. But anyway, we'll figure it out on the phone that. separately. Thank you for dialing in today. Get back to the water. Take a dip. Yeah, no way. No way. <laughs> Jump in Dispensary, the pool. Don't worry. Zucapa, home scrabble. That's my day. That's to, how the dog rolls. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to be faster than the other people running away from the bear. That's what there I say. Anyway, today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis and Eric Johnson. Erica Anderson is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Rebecca Castro, Drew Burrows, and Nishat Kurwa. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you like this week's episode, leave us a review. If you have any suggestions for what you want to hear us talk about on a future show, send us an email, pivot at voxmedia.com. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. 